today on Ag News Daily. Yeah, you know, the cattle market really has taken it on the chin here um, over the last week or so. Uh, we went you know, up from contract highs now down to uh, multi-week lows, and a big, big portion of that was, was done uh, after some stronger cash trade. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a Market Monday podcast episode today, sponsored by Performance Livestock Analytics, helping you work smarter on your cattle operation. Visit performancelivestockanalytics.com to request a demo, Tanner. Hey, I like that. I like getting some livestock involved here on the podcast. I'm making sure every one of our listeners gets some value. How was your weekend? It was good. We went to the casino yesterday for Blaine's grandma's birthday, 82 or three. I can't remember. And that's what she wanted to do. So we went to the casino. Did she come out ahead? No, unfortunately not. (laughs) But that does seem like a very like late in life birthday thing to do, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Grab the buffet. Maybe they can't do buffets (laughs) anymore. Uh, I think this one was open. They didn't seem to care about that. That's funny. Well, the first piece I've got here for this Monday edition is we had reported on those tropical storms last week. Looks like we've got one full-fledged now brewing up into a hurricane, a Hurricane Ian. And Georgia's Governor Brian Kemp has ordered activation of State Operations Center today, September 26th, in preparation for that. The projections is that Ian will be a Category 4 as it approaches the southern tip of Florida and potentially a Category 3 as it moves inland on the Gulf Shores. According to the National Weather Service and National Oceanic and Atmosphere Administration, Ian intensified into a hurricane overnight and now is expected to rapidly strengthen today and will come through Tuesday, at which point the Category 4, the projected peak for the strength of the storm, will hit landbound of the U.S. So again, that was forming late Friday over the Central Caribbean Sea. We talked about that last week. It has now traveled more than 430 miles and is southeast of the western tip of Cuba. Of course, it's expected to continue up into the Gulf of Mexico, hit portions of the Florida Peninsula, and they are continuing to monitor this storm through the National Hurricane Center. So another one for us to watch out. So if anybody has any plans next couple of days to go down south, you're going to want to keep an eye out for flight schedules and for your safety. Mm. Yeah, I heard there's kind of like a chance that the hurricane could either hit Florida or take a turn and hit up towards the New England states. Is that accurate, Tanner? It looks like there is projected potential, but right now it seems like the three articles I just pulled up all have the same direction coming in on the Gulf side of Florida. Got it. Okay. Well, switching tracks here a little bit, I'm going to take us down to South America where Brazil is having one of their fastest soybean planting seasons here on record. Brazilian farmers are sowing soybeans faster this season, according to two different agribusiness consultancies on Monday, and they cited significant advances in the state of Paraná and Mato Grosso as well, some of the largest producing soybean states in the country of Brazil. They estimated in the Safras and Mercado areas, 2% of the national soybean area has been planted for the 22-23 growing season. 
more than twice as much ahead of last year's pace. I know we're talking just a couple of percentage points here, but we were not even one percentage point planted at this time last year. Whereas we're seeing about a one and a half percent planting pace kickoff here in some of those other areas that I mentioned, Tanner. So still very early on in the season to get things planted, but nonetheless, farmers are pushing ahead here. Yeah, we had reported on that. It was going to be a major factor. We need South America to have a bumper crop in order to help rebuild our stocks. So it's good to see that they've got planting ramping back up. So that's for us to continue to watch. Uh, however, over the weekend, the EPA announced late last week that they are walking away from a legal battle on its interim determination of glyphosate that is likely not carcinogenic to people, telling the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals that the agency will instead focus on Roundup's ongoing registration review expected to be completed in 2026. The EPA withdrew the legal challenge because the agency was unable to meet the court's October 1st deadline to complete the Endangered Species Act review and conduct new health assessment analysis. So uh, they are stating here that just because they withdraw doesn't mean that glyphosate is unsafe. The EPA said the Action does not mean either incorrect nor cannot be used in support of future decisions in the court, but they are stating that they plan to focus and revisit this with better explanation, and that's why they're targeting the 2026 review. So a uh, little bit of a win there on the roundup side of things, if you want to say that, but more maybe just stacking the deck for the next battle, Delaney. Well, Tanner, speaking of a battle, JBS is back in court. For another price-fixing lawsuit that they are going to have to battle here, dealing with consumers this time. The lawsuit alleges that in 2021, JBS reached a $24.5 million agreement that went to direct purchasers, and this year they added $20 million to their tab in another case. So far, they've paid more than $57 million to settle these allegations of price fixing and that they were inflating the price of pork. But despite all this, they're continuing to defend their pricing practices, Tanner. No surprise there. Yeah, that's not going to come out of the public statement in any other shape or fashion that way. Let's pause here real quick for a message from our sponsor today. How do you manage data for your cattle business? Stop relying on pen and paper or complicated programs. Get real-time access from anywhere with Performance Beef. Update rations, generate real-time closeout reports, record health data at the chute, in the pen, or pasture, or analyze performance trends all in one place with ease. Your feed, financial, and health information is integrated into one easy-to-use platform, accessible from your computer, smartphone, or tablet. Find Performance Beef online to learn more and request a demo. Well, Delaney, when I pulled up this article to report on, I didn't see it going the direction that it went. The rodeo event banned in California was the headline, so I expected to see something a lot more in-depth. But a sweeping ban on equipment used in rodeo events, including ropes, spurs, straps, as well as the events themselves, was voted down by California's Almeida County Board of Supervisors. The board did not agree to prohibit the ranch rodeo. But they did agree to prohibit an event known as wild cow milking. This is where a team tries to get milk from a cow that has just turned loose into the arena. So I had expected Delaney to see in this article that rodeos were going to be prohibited from California. And that is not the case. They went specifically on the gimmick 
event known as wild cow milking. But they will continue to monitor the acts of conducts, including roping of any equine that's not limited to, and they list all kinds of animal involved in rodeos. They also are continuing to watch the release of animals and the uh, humane treating of rodeo stock. So because rodeo events often use skills used in farming and ranching, this board did not think it was appropriate to vote down and ban those. So still, like I said, when they said rodeo event banned, I was assuming it was an entire rodeo, but it looks like it's just one act as part of one of the circuits. Well, Tanner, here's an interesting and unconfirmed piece of news, but interesting nonetheless. President Xi Jinping has been rumored to have been taken under house arrest and officially removed as the head of the China's People Republic Liberation Army. Again, not confirmed, but a lot of folks are speculating and suggesting that he might have uh, worn out his welcome and that There was a coup scheduled to take over his position and kick him out. So unsure what's going on right now, but it's certainly creating a little bit of uncertainty and instability in some of the markets today. Yeah, it'll be interesting once we get to that conversation to hear uh, what we see having its effect on the markets. The last piece I have before just a little bit of weather antidote is Swiss boaters have decided that they will ban factory farming. So even though Switzerland has some of the strictest animal welfare laws in the world, voters stated that they will tighten them even further under the Swiss system of direct direct democracy. They are looking at protecting the dignity of farm animals, such as cattle, chickens, pigs, in this constitutional requirement. New laws would also lower animal stocking rates to meet organic standards. So, This law now under consideration, if adopted, would have the government set strict rules for the carrying of animals, including giving them access to outdoors and for slaughtering requirements. So these would cover imported animals as well as animal products. Promoters say the ban would protect the environment by reducing the reliance on soya-based animal feed linked to deforestation. The Swiss government recommended against the proposal, saying such changes would breach trade accords and increasing investment costs and operational costs to bring food into their country. However, the latest polling is showing 52% of their voters are in opposition of the ban and 47 are supporting it. Switzerland already has, like I said, the tightest animal welfare protection laws in place. We don't need to take it one step further, said Alexandra Gavino, one of the food sustainable experts for Greenpeace in Switzerland as this was discussed with the editors and writers of Reuters. So whether you have 2,000 laying hens, Delaney, or 18,000, you can still be a good farmer, says one of the Swiss farmers as part of defending this initiative. So another interesting move, but so far has not banned factory farming, but is certainly still another headline for us to watch. And another final headline for us to watch here, Tanner, as we look at 2023 is cash land prices and rent prices more specifically here. AgWeb's uh, Farm Journal's AgWeb is suggesting that folks need to be ready for once again, higher cash rent prices in 2023. This year, we've seen an average $148 per acre, which is up about $7 from last year and eclipsed the previous 
high in 2015 that was set at $144 per acre. And they're suggesting that's going to continue and push higher once again in 2023, Tanner. Of course, commodity prices will largely dictate that, but by all guesses, that's what we're seeing right now this year, uh, heading into next year already. It sounds like those are the conversations I've had on the ground level as well. But let's pause one more time for a message from our sponsor today. How do you manage data for your cattle business? Stop relying on pen and paper or complicated programs. Get real-time access from anywhere with Performance Beef. Update rations. Generate real-time closeout reports. Record health data at the chute, in the pen, or pasture. Or analyze performance trends all in one place with ease. Your feed, financial, and health information is integrated into one easy-to-use platform. Accessible from your computer, smartphone, or tablet. Find Performance Beef online to learn more and request a demo. Well, right before we get into the markets, Delaney, looks like forecasts are going to be temperatures in the mid to high 70s here in the Midwest for the next couple of days. Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio are probably be a little bit cooler than the states such as North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, and Kansas. You're going to see quite a bit of wind in this area. It looks like there's a front moving across the Great Lakes region today and tomorrow, a little bit northeast by Wednesday. So, will be interesting to see what we've got going on. But so far, harvest has corn only 7% harvested and 3% of soybeans. So farmers are looking at this favorable weather forecast to get a jump on harvest. What do markets look like? Well, markets are not doing so well today. Not very favorable as we're seeing quite a bit of weakness here across the board in new crop corn, soybeans, and wheat. New crop corn today down 11 cents on the day to close at 6.65. New crop soybeans down 13 and a half cents to close at 14.12. And in the wheat pits today, we are seeing the December Chicago contract down 22 cents to close at 8.57 and three quarters. Before we get into our conversation here with Brian Hoops of Midwest Market Solutions. Tanner, let's take a look at livestock today, which also finished red on the board today as the December live cattle contract closed $1.20 lower at $147.35. November feeders down a buck 20 today to close at $177.05. And December lean hogs down $3.40 to close at $79.40. Tanner, without further ado, let's kick it over to our conversation here with Brian Hoops. Well, folks, as we promised there, we are chatting today with Brian Hoops of Midwest Market Solutions. Brian, certainly no shortage of topics to talk about today. And I got to ask, we just reported on this strange rumor, I guess you would call it, about President Xi being taken under house arrest. Are the markets trading this alleged news today? Uh, Yeah, we don't have a lot of great things to talk about. I don't think that's one thing that the market's really focused on at this point in time. It's been rumored, but, uh, you know, the markets kind of hate this uncertainty that the rumor like that brings with it. So I don't think we're really focused on that. Uh, What's really driving this market is a higher U.S. dollar index. You know, it, it rallied and spiked uh, directly after the Fed announcement. And ever since the Fed has announced a raise in interest rates, we've seen a lot of money come into the dollar, given its contract highs, uh, a big move higher on Friday. 
again this morning and into the closing bell today. And that really pressured a host of our grain commodities, grains, livestock, uh, energies, metals, uh, equity markets, all these markets tied to the U.S. dollar. And with that strong dollar, it's really putting uh, pressure against a, a host of those markets. So do you think that's going to be the impact here in the short term until we get more harvest progress under our belt? Or what's the potential next trigger to go back higher? Yeah, uh, you know, it's a good question. That's what everybody's kind of was expecting that we would, you know, start harvest, maybe see a little bit of pressure, and then we'd see another, you know, big rebound and big rally like we saw a year ago. Uh, I'm a little more cautious than that because, you know, the Fed, every time the Fed raises rates every every quarter meeting, they've done it three in a row, the dollars strengthen immediately after. And I'm fearful that we're, you know, we could have a little pullback in the dollar, but I don't know that we break the uptrend of this dollar index until we get to at least the next Fed meeting in December um, and see what they say. Most likely they're going to raise interest rates again. We're going to see a dollar move higher once again. And I think that kind of caps our upside potential in these grain markets. As I said, you're probably going to see some pullbacks between now and December in the dollar, and that'll give us rallies in the grain markets. But those rallies, I think, will likely be capped because the dollar has not broken its uptrend. So it it could be a kind of a long fall here for producers. We were recommending, you know, when we had this last rally, uh, corn and soybeans back up near $7, December corn $15 in the the soybeans to start getting some hedges in in place because those opportunities are something you really can't afford to pass up with the strength in the dollar and the unknown of what type of supply we're going to have. So we're, we're still too early in, in harvest stages to really determine how good or how bad these yields are going to be. We know they're, they're going to be variable because of the extreme dryness in parts of the country, especially the Western belt. So we think the basis will, will remain strong, especially in the West, but just the, the overall direction of these markets I think it has a lot of influence based off of what happens with the dollar over the next, not only weeks, but months to come. Brian, let's talk about the strength that we've seen here in the U.S. dollar close to, if not over 20 year highs. How long can we sustain this level of strength? Yeah, I don't think we're going to, as I mentioned, don't think we're going to break the uptrend of this dollar really anytime soon. We now, as we hit these 20 year highs, um, you know, 114 approaching 115, there's probably resistance up in the 120 range. But between now and then, I, I do suspect you'll have some pullbacks in the market. So we, you know, we could break the market two, three dollars, the U.S. dollar market. I'm talking about two, three dollars and still maintain that uptrend that's uh, been in place for quite some time. That'll give us rallies in the gray markets. Um, but oh, I'm, I'm afraid that, you know, unless we start trading below 110 or, or even 109.75, we're going to see this market maintain its uptrend and, and uh, just pullbacks will be seen as buying opportunities in that market. I had also kind of seen a couple of headlines tied to basis movement now. You know, typically during this season, we start to see basis weaken as we get into the fields. Is there more to that story or is it just time of year? Mostly it's it's tied to this time of year, and I think the basis will probably weaken probably in the eastern belt uh, for the most part because they're going to have a little bit larger um, crop, and and in the western belt, the crop's going to be much smaller, and the supplies are going to be a little bit tighter, so you'll have more farmer storing of that crop, less being sold as overrun on the market, 
And uh, in the West, it, you know, they've been clamoring for corn for quite some time. Um, in, you know, Southwest Missouri, out into Idaho, Northwest Iowa, these we've seen record type basis levels uh, all summer and into early fall. And just without much of a crop in the Western Belt, I think it's, it's going to be hard to really see any basis weakening uh, as there's such a, a demand base for corn at this time. So, Brian, as you look ahead here and Folks are thinking, you know, they're getting into harvest. Obviously, things tend to uh, see deflated prices during harvest. Is there opportunity missed here for selling new crop corn? Uh, you, you know, there's there's probably some opportunities. We got up around that $7 mark. Um, right now, I don't know if this is a great time to sell it, but if the dollar does weaken and you have a, a pretty good run back to the upside in corn, I think you, you really have to look at it from a standpoint that um, if you have crap to sell right off the combine, use rallies to sell into. Um, otherwise, I think there's going to be a lot of crop being stored this year because of the tight basis. I think that uh, will play out you know, longer term for this corn market. Very tight stocks for both corn and beans. And um, you know, just if we're going to get down to demand, it's, it's probably going to be a struggle with that strong dollar, at least through the end of the year. So that kind of transfers into a conversation about the livestock side of things. We talked last week that it seemed like we might've been unseasonably strong. And I felt like we slid all the way from our conversation last Monday to where we're at. What are you seeing in the cattle and hog markets? Yeah. You know, the cattle market really has taken it on the chin here um, over the last week or so. Uh, we went you know, up from contract highs now down to uh, multi-week lows and the big, big portion of that was, was done uh, after some stronger cash trade. Um, we're hearing that out in the country that there is uh, some cattle that are really not available or not ready right now. There may be a little bit of a marking hole. We know numbers are, are kind of tight. Uh, packers have been killing over 650,000 head per week. They're going to need to continue to do that to uh, keep their pipelines full. And to they, to do that, they may have to pay up for the cash markets here uh, this week just to uh, get those cattle to be pulled ahead. So we, we saw real good marketing effort last month. Uh, by the producers. That was evidence in the cattle on feed report. Uh, supplies about the same size as a year ago, but here in the next uh, few weeks, it may be even a little bit tighter and uh, give us a little bit of you know a tough go here uh, as far as the cash markets go um, with, uh, with supplies being a little bit tighter than expected. And Brian, lastly, let's wrap things up here by giving us your quick hits on the lean hog market. Yeah, you know, that market has been in another uh, free fall here. Um, we, when August went off the board, uh, Lean Hog Index was up around 122, and there was a big difference between the, the futures of October and where the the index was. Well, the index has come all the way down to meet the futures because the cash market has uh, really imploded. Um so we're probably going to continue to see the cash markets weaken in here uh, and the futures markets under some pressure. We've seen products really start to fall. That's cutting to the packer margins as well. You know, our, our pork and our beef, uh, for that matter, are really dependent upon foreign exports. And we've seen pretty much just routine exports in our sales uh, recently. Um, but that may start to slow because of that higher U.S. dollar once again. So, uh, this, you know, economy that, that's struggling uh, doesn't really lend to uh, 
bigger domestic usage for either beef or for pork. And I'm afraid, uh, you know, we, we, our exports could falter a little bit. Just We just need to see tighter supplies like we see in the cattle market. That could be a supporting feature for cattle and for hogs as well if we can get the numbers to tighten. Well, that's been a really great Market Monday update for us. Could you remind our listeners how they could get a hold of you if they've got questions or want to explore some of the topics we talked about today a little bit deeper? Yeah, my uh, direct number is 417-501-5132. And uh, you can find a list of all of our offices at our website, which is MidwestMarketSolutions.com. Well, thanks, Brian. That, again, was a great Market Monday. It seems like, Delaney, every time we put one of these episodes, I learn about something new, and the markets are always looking at something different. Absolutely, Tana. That's why we have weekly Market Monday conversations, folks. You can catch us again next Monday to hear what's going on in the markets. But, Tanner, we're going to have a lot of great conversations coming up this week for our listeners. So they're going to want to make sure they stay tuned. Absolutely. I think this will be a great run up here during harvest. So tune in every single day. Obviously, follow us on social media. We will keep you up to date. What do you say for today, Delaney? Should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go. 